This episode is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is an easy and powerful way to start podcasting. We give you all of the tools you need for a successful podcast, such as unlimited podcast hosting, podcast distribution, monetization options for podcasts of any size, and live stream podcasting capabilities. Sign up today at www.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Hello and welcome to A Murderous Affair. It is the week of Halloween and I am so excited if you can't tell. Guys, I have so many spooky things planned for this week. I go hard for Halloween. Halloween is amazing and it's my favorite holiday. And this week we're going into the realm of demonology and talking about the creature known as a succubus. Now, our murderess of the day is kind of a black widow again. Now, our murderess of the day is not only a black widow, but Gucci. And I know that's a terrible joke, but her name is Patrizia Reggiani, and she's also known as Lady Gucci because the man she had murdered was her husband who is the heir to the, Gu- to the Gucci fashion label. So yeah, this is going to be a good one. Cue the intro music! Okay, first things first, let's go through our resources. We get a lot of information for the murder of Maurizio Gucci from an article by Guardian writer Abigail Haworth, as well as HighSnobSociety.com and their Gucci Gangland Murder article. Now, our information from the succubus comes from, of course, Wikipedia, and I also got some information from Occultopedia and Mythology.net. We're going to start with our murderess today. Patrizia Reggiani Martinelli was born on December 2nd, 1948. I was scouring the internet for any details about her early life, but it was so difficult to find any. And then I hit the Holy Grail. The Guardian article written by Abigail Haworth in 2016 was actually an interview with not only Reggiani, but people she was close to. Patricia, according to her interview, was born in a small town outside of Milan to a waitress mother and a father who was a trucker. She was apparently very spoiled as a child, someone who enjoyed having fancy things like mink coats and fast cars. She says her family was very rich but was not part of the high society social life that she admired so much. But somehow she managed to worm her way into the edges of that social life and that's where she would meet her future husband. So Reggiani says that, quote, I met Maurizio at a party and he fell madly in love with me. I was exciting and different. I didn't think much of him at first, 
He was just a quiet boy whose teeth crossed over at the front. Now, he had riches and a family fortune that eventually endeared him to her. They got married when they were both about 24 in 1972 and apparently caused a falling out between Maurizio and his father, who was extremely overprotective because Maurizio was his only son. Reggiani says, Maurizio felt free with me. We had fun and we were a team. When she gave birth to her daughter Alessandra, Maurizio's father ended up closing the gap in their falling out and he ended up buying them a ton of properties to live with. They were basically the Kardashians before the Kardashians were a thing, and they would hang out with other famous people like the Kennedys and Jackie Onassis. Things started to go downhill when Mauricio's father died and he inherited 50% of the Gucci company. So quick fashion history. Apparently the brand had been suffering in stocks at this time, which I know absolutely nothing about. The quality and the popularity of the stuff they were selling had gone down, and Maurizio was now trying to plan things to get the company back into a good spotlight. So the other shares of the company were owned by his uncle and cousins, and they all began fighting over how to proceed in the future. Reggiani claims that she had been his chief advisor in all things Gucci until he had inherited his father's half of the company. Now he had stopped listening to her, and she didn't appreciate this at all. He ended up fighting with his family for years about the control of the company, and it was during this time when he also began fighting with Reggiani. Finally, he'd had enough, and he packed a bag in the middle of the night and left. Friends say that he was tired of how much Reggiani was meddling in the company and rejected her ideas. Now, eventually, he ended up being forced to sell Gucci to a company called Investicorp due to funds mismanagement management and general incompetence. Forbes actually had an article about this and said that unhappy trade creditors were banging on Gucci's doors. Payrolls went unmet. So he ended up selling it and he severed the family's hold on the Gucci company which had been started by his grandfather. I was angry with Maurizio about many things at that time, says Reggiani, but above all this, losing the family business. It was stupid. It was a failure I was filled with rage, but there was nothing I could do. He shouldn't have done that to me. In 1992, Maurizio began dating a childhood friend of his who also worked as an interior designer named Paola. They were happy together, and it turns out that Maurizio was planning on proposing marriage. So this also upset Reggiani. Not only would her alimony payments decrease to $800,000 a year, which, according to her, was nothing better than a, quote, bowl of lentils, but she was being replaced as the Lady Gucci. Paola was taking the spot that Reggiani referred to as rightfully hers because of the amount of work that she'd put in to get there. You know, generally all the work that comes with marrying a man who inherits a multi-billion dollar company and then not actually doing anything to help the multi-billion dollar company. That kind of work. Sorry, I'm feeling especially salty today. Let's move on. Patricia was stalking us, says Paola in an interview. She still had spies in Maurizio's sort. Patricia was Patricia was stalking us, says Paola. She still had pa she still had spies in Maurizio's circle, and she knew about all of our plans, his business dealings, everything. She called many times, abusing him and threatening to kill him. Um, now, if Gucci didn't take Reggiani's calls, she would send him messages on tape 
which were later played in court, saying that he was a monster for neglecting her and their daughters, and warning that, quote, the inferno for you is yet to come, which is extremely ominous. Um, Paula says she begged him to hire a bodyguard, but he refused. Um, she did, he didn't, according to, according to her, he didn't believe that Reggiani would go through with anything because of the fact that they had their daughters together. So with that being said, let's jump to March 27th, 1995. It's 8.30 in the morning and Giuseppe Honorato is sweeping away leaves inside the doorway of the Via Palestro 20, which was the building where Maurizio Gucci had his private office. Honorato, who's now 71, is quoted as saying that it was a lovely spring morning, very quiet. Mr. Gucci arrived carrying some magazines and said good morning, and then I saw a hand. It was a beautiful, clean hand, and it was pointing a gun. Gucci was shot three times in his back as he went up the steps, and then he was shot a fourth time in his head as he collapsed. Honorado says that he thought that it was a joke, and then the shooter saw me. He lifted the gun again and fired two more times. Honorado said his last thought was, what a shame, this is how I die. Somehow, he made it up the steps after he'd been shot twice in the arm, and he was sitting there in a pool of blood when the police arrived. The doorman says that he was cradling Mr. Gucci's head and he died in his arms. Now, Honorado thankfully made a full recovery, but he still has, quote, stabbing pains in my left arm. But every day for the past 21 years, I've woken up thankful that I'm alive. Now, the gunman actually vanished because it was Monday morning and rush hour at the time. So it gave him plenty of opportunity to mix with the crowd. Now, Paola, who had been Gucci's live-in partner for five years before his death, had shared the apartment on the city center boulevard along with her 11-year-old son, Charlie. And the day after the murder, she received an eviction order from Reggiani to move out of the apartment she'd shared with Gucci. Now, according to the timestamp on the papers, they had been drawn up at 11 a.m. the previous day, which was less than three hours after Maurizio died. And I guess back in those days, cohabiting couples had no legal protection, according to Paola. So she and her son were out immediately. And after she moved out, Reggiani moved in with her daughters and lived there in luxury for the next two years until one of her accomplices boasted about the murder to the wrong person. And this is why I just, I don't get why people think that they can get away with murder because people always talk. The man who had talked apparently was the hitman himself. He was brought to the police and the police were actually able to launch a sting operation to trick Reggiani and her other accomplices, which were her friend Pina Ariema, a friend of Ariema's who set up the hitman, the hitman himself, and the getaway driver, into discussing the crime on phones that were wiretapped. And not only was this successful, but evidence that they found in Reggiani's home included her diary, which on the day of Gucci's death had a one-word entry. P-A-R-A-D-E-I-S-O-S. Paradisos, maybe? Either way, it's known as the Greek word for paradise. So, of course, then there's a trial, and it captivates the entire world because it'd be basically as if Kim Kardashian killed Kanye West, and everybody in the world was captivated by it. And while in court... Reggiani admitted that she'd paid her friend around 200,000 pounds, um, but then tried to claim that 
her friend had arranged the hit herself and was threatening to frame her if she didn't pay. And then she added this, quote, but it was worth every lira. So basically, it was worth every penny. The good news is that all five who were involved in the murder plot were found guilty. Now, Reggiani specifically was jailed for 29 years in 1998, which was later reduced to 26 years on appeal. In 2011, she was given the chance to parole after serving about half her sentence. Now, she this is the woman who's quoted as saying, I'd rather cry in a Rolls Royce than be happy on a bicycle. And she'd originally been offered parole on condition of a work release, and she said that because she had never worked a day in her life, she did not plan on starting now. But eventually she changed her mind, and as of 2016, she took a part-time job at a fashion house called Beaux-Arts. Now, the judge agreed to her release after Gucci's lawyer came forward with the request and said that Reggiani was willing to be taken into social services care while working at Beaux-Arts. Apparently, she had contacted them from her cell at the San Vittor prison and offered to work in the showroom there, and they had agreed, which is a complete reversal from 2011. At her first parole appeal, when she said, quote, I would prefer to stay in my cell and water my plants, and added that she wanted to stay inside because she wanted to take care of her pet ferret. One of her most famous photographs is her walking in downtown Milan somewhere with a giant bird perched on her shoulder. And that is the absolutely ridiculous and stranger-than-fiction story of Mauricio Gucci's murder. Wow, guys. <laughs> this was a story full of twists and turns. I would love to know more about this. I think because she is such a high Italian socialite, even now after having been convicted and serving time for arranging a murder, that there is an unwillingness almost to cover her affairs. But if you guys know of any more information about this case, of any place that we can find more information, please let me know. You can reach me on Twitter or Instagram at Reads, and I'd love to hear from you if you have any more information on this case that I didn't mention. But now that our murderess of the day is finished, let's talk about our mythology. The succubus. The succubus is a type of demon, specifically a type of demon who presents in the female form and tries to seduce men. Oftentimes, folklore has them appear in dreams. There's also a male form of this demon known as the incubus, who pretty much does the same thing to women. So there's also a lot of religious folklore out there that says that repeated sexual encounters with a succubus can lead to the deterioration of mental, physical, and emotional health. One of the most famous figures who's known as a succubus is actually Lilith, and she appears in many different mythologies, from Sumerian to Egyptian, Greek, Roman, Judeo, and Christian. She first appears in Sumerian culture as a goddess of fertility and witchcraft, um, and later she was then associated with dark demons. In Greece, Lilith was known as Lamia, and she received an extensive backstory. She was a beautiful woman who Hera transformed into a monster after her beauty attracted Zeus's eye. I have to say, I feel like a lot of Greek mythology, the tragedies could be avoided if Zeus could just keep it in his pants for like 10 seconds. Everything is all Zeus's fault. Any kind of story you read, it's usually because of something Zeus has done. But in her new and monstrous form, Lamia, aka Lilith, roamed the world seducing men and eating babies. Now, for those of us who know Lilith from Judeo-Christianity, she is described as Adam's first wife who was created at the same time as him. However, she refused to honor Adam as her leader and went off exploring on her own. At some point, she discovered the Red Sea, which is where the demons lived. Um, and she found that she liked the demons much more than Adam, 
So she mated with them and then began having children. These were then called the succubi. Basically, female sex demons have been around as long as folklore has existed. In cultures all over the world, like in India, which is the Yakshini, Arabia has the Karina, Native Americans have the Deer Woman, China has the Mogwai, and Greece has the Lamia. And it's hardly possible to know what legend came first. It's mostly thought that they might have evolved separately around the same time period, which makes it interesting because you want to know how these cultures from all over the world, even though travel did happen back then, you want to know like how did all of these cultures from all over the world end up coming up with the same creature, same mythology, uh, and same ideas, you know? It's just, it's really interesting to think about like that. The succubus also popped up in witch hunts, where women who, quote, tried to seduce men were accused of being succubi in disguise. The succubus has kind of made an appearance in many different avenues of popular culture, but less and less likely are they just presented as like a female sex demon and just more likely presented as a female demon instead. But either way, it's interesting to think about how cultures all over the world have a similar figure in their mythology. But that is all I have for you about the succubus. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I would love to know what you think of it. Uh, feel free to comment wherever this is posted, or you can reach me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Frumius Reads. If you guys like hearing about books or just want to hear my voice more, you can check out my YouTube channel where I talk about all things bookish at youtube.com slash C slash Frumius. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I would love to know what you think. And I hope you guys have an awesome Halloween. But... That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to stay spooky, friends, and I'll talk to you later. Goodbye.
This episode is brought to you by Podbean Live. Podbean Livestream is a unique platform for turning your podcast production into a live show. It's open to any podcaster on any hosting site. Easily invite multiple co-hosts and guests to join your live stream, earn money from live show ticket sales and get listener rewards, and engage your audience in new and exciting ways. Ready to get started? Sign up today at www.podbean.com slash live. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash live.